Well, friends, grace, mercy, and peace be upon you from God our Father and our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen? Well, friends, a very Merry Christmas to you and to yours. I mean, what a joy it is to be gathered here on this night as we reflect on and as we celebrate the extraordinary event that happened so many years ago. An event that has been celebrated ever since. An event that has inspired hymn writers and songwriters down through the generation. An event that has been, since the very beginning, welcome news to a weary world. Or, as the hymn writer says, this event, this, this back alley birth in the insignificant town of Bethlehem, this event is a thrill of hope that the weary world might rejoice. Friends, I don't know about you, but that sounds amazing to me, quite honestly. Uh, what I'd love to do is just take a hot second and talk about family Christmas cards. Can we do that? Uh, first of all, let me, let me just say, I want to applaud those of you who have the skill and the capacity and the tenacity and the creativity to do some kind of family coordination where you have chosen perfect outfits that match probably taken in the month of September, printed on really nice cardstock, sent in festive envelopes with little bits of glitter, probably have Buddy the Elf on retainer to lick it for a little extra cheer, right? Like truthfully, I am in awe of your skills. Like awesome, really well done, yep. For the peasants, the rest of us, right? Uh, listen, we, we, if, you're, if you have any fear, that you didn't make our Christmas card list, uh, we don't have one. Now, we, we don't send Christmas cards at all. Now, I, I, I'm, I'm not saying those of you do, I, I really do applaud you, it's just that, that we don't. But, but can I say this? It seems to me that we've received less cards this year. Now, I'm not judging because we don't send any, but, I, but I'm just saying that it feels to me like we are receiving fewer and fewer cards, fewer and fewer pictures of family and friends around the country and around the world, fewer and fewer updates of what's happened over the past year, fewer and fewer cards this year. Now, in my very uneducated and non-professional research, it doesn't seem to me that this is a USPS problem. It doesn't seem to me that it's even a lack of want. But in many of the conversations I've had with, with family and friends around the country and around the world, and quite honestly, many of the conversations that I've had with you here, I hear a lot of this, Pastor, we just ain't got the time. Or, I'm just tired. We're just, we're just exhausted as a family. Pastor, if we're just honest, we're just a little bit weary. Truthfully, so am I. Just being honest, I'm tired and I'm weary. The events and the circumstances of our lives have a way of seeping deep into our hearts, that weariness, that fatigue, that tired, it begins to take root there. 
So in our hearts then, we carry around this burden of weariness, a weariness that is not only mental or physical or emotional, but also spiritual. Friends, we are bearing burden, and it's making lots of us weary. You know, if you've been with us over the last several weeks or you've watched our YouTube channel, you'll know that we have been journeying through the prophet Isaiah as Isaiah helps Israel prepare for the coming of the Messiah. In many ways, Isaiah is helping the people of Israel, and and quite frankly, helping you and me prepare for seasons of tired, and for seasons of weary, and for seasons of burden. I mean, Israel, in the book of Isaiah, Israel was soon to be tossed into exile, going to be ripped out of the promised land because the affections of their heart were no longer aimed at God, but they sought after their own pleasures. They loved things and themselves more than they loved God or their neighbors. So God was about to expel them out of the promise. He would drive them into a season of burden. Israel would enter into a time of of tired and weary. And yet, in that season of weary, God wants His people, He wants you and me to hold on to promises. So Isaiah 64, 4 says, Since ancient times, no one has heard and no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you, who acts on behalf of those who wait for Him. Instead, another way, God's desire is to help you. He acts on your behalf. Or Isaiah 40, 11, it says, He tends His flock like a shepherd, and He gathers the lambs into His arms, and He carries them close to His heart. Again, God's desire to comfort the ache of our hearts as he draws us close to his own. Or Isaiah 61.3 says, My desire is to give them, that is my people, a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit. In other words, when we're feeling overrun by grief and pain and hurt, sadness or tired or weariness, God promises to bring refreshment. I mean, these are great promises. But here's the thing. I can know all of those promises. You can know all of those promises and still feel weary. You can know all of those promises and still feel fatigued. You can know all of those promises and still feel the burden that life is bearing. It's, it's like the knowledge in our heads hasn't reached our hearts. And weariness, weariness has taken up residence in our hearts. Now, I, I get it, actually. There are many here tonight who are feeling the weight of the world. There are parents in this room who feel helpless as their kids make choices that are harmful to themselves or others. There are some people in the room who have been weeping for years at infertility. 
and the shifting of their dreams of having a family. There are those in the room tonight who are dealing with chronic pain, a pain that never goes away, having to navigate a world always hurting. There are some in the room tonight who are watching their elderly parents slowly fade away, and some in the room tonight who who are watching as family or friends are succumbing to addiction. There are some in the room who are bearing the weight of a, of a teenager's comment at a lunch table or in the comments of their Instagram feed. There are some in the room tonight who are just weighed down by the news that we seem to watch and listen to 24-7, 365, as we watch a, a war-torn or maybe a war-prone world where senseless death is just piled up and piled up and piled up in such a way that we don't even feel, we don't even feel anymore. And why do we not feel? Because we're weary and we're tired. It's that weariness that's found a home in our heart. Now, the wonderful and unbelievable news is that God comes right into the middle of that weariness. You know, Luke, in his retelling of the Christmas story, he begins that story with a bunch of details I think lots of us just find superfluous, right? They're, they're details that lots of us know, but we don't know why they're significant. We know, we know there's lots of names that we don't know how to pronounce, but we're not sure why we should care. So tonight we're going to look a little bit at Luke's story because there's much to learn for a weary world there. If you want to follow along, you can certainly grab a Bible in the pew or on a phone. We're going to be in Luke chapter 2, starting at verse 1. There, uh, Luke begins his Christmas story by saying this, "'In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered.'" This was the first registration when Quirinius was the governor of Syria. Again, a bunch of details, right? Superfluous names we have to try to figure out how to pronounce. Uh, on the one hand, a census, a census is nothing more than Rome just trying to count the sheep. Uh, Rome wants to know how many people she has in her midst so that she can set the appropriate taxes in order for the emperor to live by his whims. On the other hand, A Roman census is a reminder to the people of Israel that they are not living out the promises of God in the land that He promised to them. A Roman census is a reminder that they are living under the burden of foreign occupation. They are living weary and tired lives. Not only that, a census, a census throws the whole land into chaos as countless families have to travel to their ancestral home. It would create waves and waves and waves of travelers uprooted, not by choice, but rather by command. I mean, this would be akin to asking all of us to return to our ancestral homes. Uh, While I was born in Southern California, my ancestral home is Southern Poland. It would mean going there. Now, I'm just going to say, at the time of the scriptures, you got there by walking. I'm not walking to Poland. Like, that's that's not happened. But imagine all of us 
This whole country having to be moved, not by choice, but by command. It would create a certain level of chaos in the country, a certain level of tired and a certain level of weariness. Quite honestly, I can't imagine the kind of weariness this would create, especially for Joseph and for Mary, who have to walk the about 90 miles from Nazareth to Bethlehem, and who, because of that census and because of the countless travelers, they, they can't find a normal place to give birth. And so they're forced to shelter with pack animals, or they give birth in the company of braying donkeys and curious goats. That's interesting to me. Luke, in his telling of the birth story, he doesn't make a lot of that birth. He says in verse 6 and 7, he says, and while they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth. Like, no fanfare, no account of how long Mary's labor was, no account of the worried or (laughs) scared look of a soon-to-be dad. It just seems to me like it's it's a birth story into weariness. God born into a weary world. You know, the announcement of God's arrival, it didn't come from a palace, and it didn't even come from the stable. It came to shepherds out in the fields outside of Bethlehem. Uh, The announcement of God's arrival to a weary world comes to shepherds, right? To laborers, those who have been protecting and leading and caring for sheep. I mean, this announcement of God's arrival comes to them. As God with a messenger cracks open the sky and the angel announces, fear not, I bring you good news of great joy and a great joy that will be for every person. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. This is the good news. This is the great joy of one who will save all people. The announcement that he is born. God himself born into a weary world. And if that's not enough, a whole angel choir arrives. Can I just say, what would that have been like to behold? To imagine the whole sky lit up with an angelic chorus as they sing of the one born into that weary world and to proclaim what it is he's come to do. That angel choir sings glory to God in the highest and peace. And peace. And peace on whom his favor rests. What's born into a weary world? Well, peace is. The Prince of Peace. Friends, this, this is good news, not only for the people of Israel, but for you and for me. Imagine the hope in the shepherds beginning to stir in the hearts and in their minds. I mean, what I love about the shepherds is they don't wait around, right? They don't have a debate on whether or not they thought the message was true. They don't have a theological debate on the reality of angels, right? They just go. They just go in faith to find the one who bears the sign wrapped in cloths, and lying in a feed box. 
Here's how Luke records it. He says, and they, the shepherds, they went with haste and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. In other words, these shepherds told Mary and Joseph that this Jesus, that he will bring God glory and he will bring peace to people. God born into a weary world. (laughs) And then Luke records this. He says, Mary, Mary treasured up all of these things, pondering them in her heart. Pondering them in her heart. The truth that the child she bore the one that was announced by angels, conceived by the Spirit, that this child is the Prince of Peace, that he is bringing peace between God and humanity and bringing peace to the depths of our weariness. She pondered and held this truth in her heart. And friends, that is instructive If you're in this room and weariness has taken root in your heart, then we need to let the truth of this night, that unto us is born one who brings peace, we need to let that truth seep deep into the cracks and the crevices of our heart. If we feel like we are bearing the burden of a broken world, we need to let the truth of this night, a prince of peace, who will bear our burdens. Isaiah says it this way, surely he would take our pain and bear our suffering. We need to let that sink deep into our hearts. We, like Mary, need to ponder and treasure the truth of this night, the night that God was born into a weary world to bring peace. And so if if you're a parent who feels helpless as their kids and your kids make choices that are harmful to themselves or to others. Unto you is born this night, one who brings peace. Friends, if you're weeping at years of infertility, unto you is born this night, one who brings peace. If you're dealing with chronic pain, Unto you is born this night, one who brings peace. If you're in this room and you're watching your elderly parents slowly fade away, unto you is born this night, one who brings peace. If you're watching loved ones or friends come under the weight of addictions, well, unto you is born this night, the one who brings peace. If you're in this room and you're dealing with a cutting comment that calls into question your self-worth or identity as a son or a daughter, one who is beloved by God, then unto you is born this night, one who brings peace. If you're feeling the weight of your own poor choices, unto you is born this night, one who brings peace. And if you, like me, are feeling the weight of a war-prone world, if you're feeling the burden of brokenness and the weight of the fall, unto us is born this night one who brings peace.
You know, church, we, we would do well to follow this teenage mother's lead and ponder and treasure this truth in our heart that born tonight is one who brings peace. You know, Jesus himself says, peace I leave you, my peace I give to you, and I do not give as the world gives. So do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Jesus also says, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. In fact, Jesus would go all the way to ensure that you and I have everlasting peace, peace with God and peace in our hearts. You know, if you take the Gospel of Luke and you look at the beginning of the birth story, Jesus is wrapped in strips of cloth. But if you go to the end of the Gospel of Luke, you will also see Jesus wrapped in strips of cloth. But rather this time he's not laid into a manger, but into the borrowed tomb of Joseph of Arimathea. See, it is the work of Christ Jesus carrying our burdens, crushed for our iniquities, bearing the punishment. All of that brings us peace. And this will be a sign to you that you will find strips of cloth laying empty in a tomb that has been opened for all time. See, Jesus, born to you this night, Jesus, crucified and risen from the dead, is yours, and he is mine, and he is, friends, he is our Prince of Peace. <laughs> but here's the thing. I've said it for the last several weeks, and I'll say it again. You and I are going to continue to have hardships and battles and anxieties and stress and tiredness and burdens. And while we have all those things, we're going to long for the day when the trumpets will blast and the angels will announce that unto you this day comes the Prince of Peace and the Lord of Glory, a new heaven and a new earth where there is nothing but peace. And this, friends, pondered in our hearts should spark a thrill of hope. See, born to us this night is a thrill of hope, so the weary world rejoices. Friends, we should follow Mary's lead. Treasure these truths. Ponder them. Allow them by God's Holy Spirit to displace the weariness that has settled into our hearts to create a thrill of hope. Friends, a very... Very Merry Christmas to you and to yours. To God be the glory. Amen? Amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all human understanding, may guard and keep our hearts in Christ Jesus today and every day. Amen.